Welcome to the Transforming Lives Podcast, where we celebrate how God is at work in the hearts and minds of individuals and families whose lives have been transformed by excellent Christ-centered education. I am your host, Dr. Andy Goodwin, and it is my honor to share these inspiring stories for your encouragement and for the advancement of the kingdom. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Transforming Lives podcast. I am here with Kat Wilcox, 2007 graduate from Covenant Christian High School in Indianapolis. She is a digital marketing project manager and certified personal trainer and running coach, and she lives in Somerville, South Carolina, for which I am personally a bit jealous. She graduated from Lipscomb University and was involved in Alpha Chi Honor Society, Delta Mu, Delta Business Honor Society, biking club, fitness program instructor, and was part of the Lipscomb University women's soccer team. She's been involved in travel to Hong Kong and Beijing and Spain. Welcome to the show, Kat Wilcox. Hi, thank you so much. Glad to see you as always. We'll jump into our first questions, celebrating what God is up to in your life. So what is true and good and beautiful in your life right now? You mentioned where I live, and that is definitely always true and beautiful and good. South Carolina, I moved to the South about 12 years ago, and I love it. Currently, it is a little bit cold, but for us, that means about 40 degrees. (laughs) But true and beautiful and good, I would also lump my community into that. Mm-hmm. I go to an amazing church and I have amazing friend groups in work and athletics and church. And just having the village around me is definitely something that brings me joy and is life-sustaining yeah. in all things. Fantastic. And I'm sure it helps a lot. And people probably smile a little bit more in your community because 40 degrees is considered cold. (laughs) Yes. I will repeatedly tell people that when I first moved to the South, the first winter, I was astounded that there could be sunshine in December. (laughs) Instead of gray skies. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And growing up in Indianapolis, I, I wasn't used to that. So it definitely made me smile. And I felt like I had found my spot. Yeah. And a little bit hillier down there, I think. In Raleigh, where I used to live, yes, South Carolina, I live in what's called the low country and it is pretty flat. We might have a better sunrise since we're on the beach. Ah, yeah. You had to insert that one, that you're on the beach. (laughs) We are on the beach. (laughs) All right. That is true and good and beautiful. So what is one passage of scripture that you have been dwelling on lately? Lamentations 3, where it says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Mm. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Skipping to verse 25, it says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It's words like that, that regardless of what's going on or not going on in my life, if I can just settle myself into that and just trust his goodness and his character, it's what brings peace. Good reminder. Thank you. So if we could jump into your covenant story, but more globally, what God has done and maybe is still doing in your life through Christ-centered education, 
You graduated from Covenant in 2007 and then went on to a Christian university. And I'd love to hear about why Christ-centered education was a choice made for you or that you made, and how has it impacted your life? It's a great question. I grew up with parents who definitely valued the Christian education, and I am eternally grateful that they put me in there. I grew up in Kingsway and then came to Covenant and grew up in church, so Christ was a bedrock of my life in general. I don't think I could imagine not also having that Christ-centered influence at school as well. I think I would have felt a really big hole because there's just a great advantage or it's a great opportunity to spend even more of your time talking about the Lord, studying the Lord. That was something that I valued enough that I wanted to continue in my daily life as far as college. I don't think that was necessarily a prerequisite or non-negotiable. It was definitely appreciated that I found myself going to a Christian university. It was a, a different denomination than I was used to, but that actually turned into a really good thing from the Lord, showing me the breadth of the church and that there are more expressions than the one that I grew up in. And then we saw that a bit in Covenant because... A lot of the professors were of a different denomination than I was attending. So that started to open that box, which was really good. And then going to a Church of Christ University broadened it even more to just show that you can honor the Lord, you can pursue the Lord in various expressions. It's all beautiful. Yeah. So one of the things we talk about here is the idea of charitable dialogue. Yeah. You talked about opening that box and learning from new perspectives different from your church tradition that you grew up in. Why does that matter? It would seem like it would make uh, certain people nervous to entertain as valid something other than their their home tradition. Why did you find that to be a good thing? I think it helps keep us humble. I actually took a class in college because we went to a Christian school. We had to take a Bible class and it was disciplines of Christian living. It was actually required for us to visit a different denomination. So I went to a Lutheran church that I'd never been to. If we remember that our Christianity is a relationship, that we're pursuing the Lord and what he's saying, and that's an active relationship. It's not just age-old traditions. It's an actual relationship that he can speak in any situation. He can speak through traditions. He can speak through spontaneity. It is, in practice, a way of us humbling ourselves and sinking into the scripture that says, like, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than yours. And to maybe once again admit that we don't know everything. I think if we have that heart of humility, charitable dialogue can definitely happen amongst believers. I am not prone to arguing. I am not a fan of debate. So I will much more often prefer an open dialogue, except what the other people say. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're swaying me on anything, but I am definitely open to hearing the other side of the coin and to also find value in somebody else's experience, because we all come from different traditions and the way we learn from the Lord is all different as well. 
Yeah. So that humility and that posture of not really wanting to win arguments or or debate too much. I wonder how that shows up in your profession, especially as a trainer. And I should have mentioned previously, you're a triathlete. You do really hard things. Some people run a long way and fast. Some people do that on the bike. Some people do that in the pool or in the lake or in the ocean. You do all three. And then you try to get other people to do that too. And you're smiling about it and trying to get them really happy about it and excited about it. And generally just feeling uh, good about stewarding the creation that they are. You know what it takes to perform well. And you can be right. You're an expert in that. You're a performer and you got the knowledge. And you probably got some medals and some trophies to go along with it. And some really cool yeah, some really cool gear. And I'd like to hear more about that. But how do you take that posture of not wanting to win necessarily the, those debates or enter into debate and taking a posture of humility in order to get the best out of others? I think there's a lot to be said about collaboration. And that is rooted in humility, too. Humility and collaboration are defense reducers. Nobody wants to start a relationship or be friends with someone who's always beating them down. The same goes for going for goals, having a conversation, talking about theology, any of that. You're much more likely to have a favorable experience if you feel like someone's trying to connect with you, be friends with you, share love, because there's no fear in love. In training, but I think also just in my life, that's my approach to people is to come alongside. And if they're interested in pushing themselves, then I am a huge cheerleader in that mm-hmm. and happy to share what I know, what I've learned. And if they're not looking for that, then I don't have to beat them over the head with it. I have been highly enjoying my personal training clients and they say they don't like me. <laughs> <laughs> it has been an enjoyable experience in being able to bond with them through the hard things and encourage them through the hard things. And they tell me, oh, I'm getting stronger. Or, oh, I can feel this different. or, And that's just the best. Okay. But when they say, hey, I, I feel like I'm getting better at this, I'm getting stronger. Is that at the same time they're telling you that they don't like you? Or was it was on <laughs> Sometimes. different occasions? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. It, it blends together. Yeah. Is it a goal then for you to get people to say that they don't like you and then it's working? It does make my day. <laughs> I had one tell me that they were asked over the holiday by their nephew, oh, how's training going? And she called me a bad name. And I was like, oh, that's <laughs> the nicest thing you said about me. <laughs> so... Good. So I I think you have equal reticence to really talk about your own awards as perhaps to enter into debate. But I'd like to ask you, please, to say that, hey, Kat Wilcox is a triathlete. Some people hear that and oh, that's cool. But it's not like you just ran a couple miles and biked a couple miles and swam a couple yards. You do for real triathlons, Ironman type. Why, first of all, why in the world did you start doing that? And 
How do you feel the Lord's presence when you're getting after it in that context? I don't actually remember how triathlon got on my radar, but I think it was actually sometime in high school that I said, oh, that seems like a monumental goal. Sounds like something I'd want to do at some point in my life. And then my brother did one. So then I knew I had to do one. And because we don't have any sort of rivalry going on. Right. <laughs> It's been a journey to get to the place I am. But when I moved to South Carolina, I got connected to a tri group. Training with people was night and day to the half iron distance race that I did when I trained by myself. And I got through it. Like I managed the distance, but it was not pretty. Over the past eight or so years, I've done various distances from sprints to full Ironman. I've always been in sports. And so working my body in that way is always rewarding to me. It just feels good. But also riding on the bike is a really good time to tune out and pray. Mm. <laughs> I've often done that, maybe not so often in, in races too. I can't say a, a specific thing. People have often pointed it out too, and they can see or just affirm that the Lord loves when I do things things like that and excel in that way. And I would have to agree. It's just something that brings me joy. And I know that his heart for us is joy. When you're talking about that joy, I'm curious about the best course you've ever done a triathlon on. And I'm, I want to take a stab at guessing that the most beautiful may have also been the hardest. I think my favorite race, I don't know if I can say ironically, was Muncie. <laughs> <laughs> Very flat. Um, Muncie. Yeah, I think more for the nostalgic aspect of it. My brother and I were signed up for a long distance race in 2020 that, of course, kept getting canceled and mm -hmm. moved. And so then in, I, just, I guess, 21, Muncie is always a half distance Ironman and they created a full distance for one year only. And so we did it. And then the following year, we did the half there as well. And I think those two years, I was the most prepared. And there's something about showing up on race day, knowing that you put in the work and just feeling good. Yeah. And then <clears throat> also beating my brother. That, <laughs> um, you, Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> there's something about being prepared and being able to execute. And obviously you're always going to have certain things that go a little awry. Like I didn't have my socks. So oh. my feet were numb like for half of the race or then I got blisters or something. It's not always comfortable, but when you're able to perform because you've prepared, whether it's in sports or whether it's in life, it's, a really cool thing. And I feel like I'm a good steward of what the Lord's given. Good. So you use that word perform. And if I may draw that back to academics and profession and other things, not necessarily a recreational choice, although it's a very serious recreational one, being a triathlete, the idea of excellence and in biblical terms, we see that translated as 
in harmony with God and wise and wisdom and uh, commitment to a process and made for its purpose. But we don't see it necessarily synonymized with achievement. But in a lot of times in professional circles, in academic circles, sometimes in, in athletic circles and fine arts, we synonymize the two, excellence and achievement. Sometimes self-worth gets wrapped up in that as well. How do you think about those and the idea of the Imago Day personally? And then if you have opportunities to talk to others about that, I'd love to hear it. I was definitely a high achiever in academics. I think a lot was self-imposed and then a lot was maybe perception of what I thought others expected of me. So I definitely went for the achiever route on that. Some to my benefit, some to my detriment. And as far as self-worth wrapped up in that, I'm sure it definitely is because I do pride myself in having a, a high capacity for things and being able to achieve things. And so it's been a little bit of a unlearning, relearning post-school to settle a bit more into it's not what you do, it's who you are as far as the Lord created us again to have relationship with him and it's not a merit chart in order to win his favor or grace or salvation. I'm a little bit more tempered in that and now it's more of a I want to be faithful in what he's given rather than I need to achieve something in order to prove myself. Yeah, but part of your faithfulness is beating your brother at all things possible, right? A hundred percent. Though, to his credit, he has beaten me more times than I've beaten him. Yeah. But in multi-sport, <laughs> I have won. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> in what ways do you see the fruits of spiritual formation in, in your life and in others? Spiritual formation may be a term that is not on the tip of everybody's tongue, might sound a little weird, but it does hearken to the idea of God being the God of the long view. I think you alluded to some of that already, the process of coming to where you are now in, in that humility and that posture and that understanding, especially about uh, personal image and image of others. But how is how do you see that the fruits of, of spiritual formation, hopefully through specifically Christ-centered education that is not limited to four walls of a traditional school and is happening, I think, now in your life. What does that look like? I think spiritual formation, it's part of it is in the Word. Again, I feel so thankful to have had that 16 years of Christian formation where building that foundation of learning through a lens of Christ and everything and not separating secular and sacred. It's all together. Mm. When you learn math, science, history, everything through the lens of Christ as King, then that becomes and solidifies as your lens for the rest of life. So I'm very thankful for that. And I always remember there was a time at Covenant maybe sophomore, junior year, where I think in six different classes, that might be a, a stretch, at least four. We it's were talking story. about this. Yeah, it's my story. At least four classes, we were all, we were talking about the Puritans or 
some movement and it happened to be, we were talking about it in, in four different classes from physics to history, to Bible, to whatever. And I was like, how are we having, we're having the same conversation across all disciplines and just seeing how, and that was just one, one group of Christians that it was affecting all areas of life and just seeing how the Lord affects every area of life. Mm -hmm. If you're willing to bring him into it, you'll see him in everything. And I think that's, the gold of Christian education, because you're intentionally bringing him in, you're teaching how to do that, how to see him through every subject, how to engage with him, how to bring him into life so that when you're stressed out and broke, (laughs) you know that God is in your finances and he's in your relationship. It's not a, the Lord only wants to be in your life on Sundays at church. He's in everything. Okay. So putting your marketing hat on for a second, I think this is an easy one for you because you think about it a lot and think about the integration of these things. I wonder about all the stats that we put on websites for Christian institutions that are good things and measurable things and often oriented towards achievement or celebrations of achievement. And none of our institutions, Christian institutions are allergic to achievement. Cool. Celebrate them. Lots of fun. But you just alluded to a different ultimate purpose and product, if you will, of Christ-centered education. If you were going to get a hold of the website of a Christ-centered institution for that place to communicate its ultimate value, where would you start? One of the angles of marketing is to highlight and communicate the benefit of Christian education because so many people go into looking at a product for what am I going to get out of this? What's going to be the end result? Is it really worth my time and money? And to highlight the quality of a changed life, essentially. And I feel like with the covenant motto, lends itself towards that anyway, lives transformed. And that's everything that we want in a personal growth endeavor. Yeah. I wonder if you were just having a conversation with people who are considering Christ-centered ed. There's so many considerations, logistics and outcomes. What would you tell them succinctly, hey, this is what you should be thinking about? And I'll speak specifically to Covenant since that's what I know. And I would just say it's worth it. It's There's not even a question if it's worth it. I remember at my time, I lived 10-ish minutes away. It was really convenient for me. But I had friends in my class that lived 45 minutes away. And I know that it took way more for them to get there, even when they were driving, not just their parents taking them. And I just know that it's is worth it. And I think that provides more of the value too. Like the things that we really want in life, the things that we want to go for, those are the things that we decide that we'll sacrifice for. And then we find greater value in that. It's always those moments that we look back where it was a little bit of a struggle, but we kept going. And those are the ones that are burned so much more in our heart and soul, Mm -hmm. where we see the faithfulness of the Lord show up in a bigger way that will preach about so much more than the easy peasy times when things were going great. And 
that's definitely covenant itself was burned pretty deep into me for loads of reasons. It was not an easy four years for me, but it is definitely one that I hold really dear Mm. because of the impact. That's a good word. And very encouraging. So we're going to uh, sign you up for our marketing team. I'm uh, glad that you volunteered to do that. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> hey, I will draw us to a close. Maybe the most unfair question that I will ask. One book. One book one that book. you think everyone should read. One book I think everyone should read is Keep Your Love On by mm. Danny Silk. Mm. It is a relationship book, more or less, but will help in everything. So it's a way of basically managing and taking responsibility for your own reactions and not shutting down and not taking offense and keeping your love on to all the people in your life. Ooh, yeah, we could all use that uh, (laughs) message and apply that broadly. Okay, excellent recommendation. Thank you. Kat Wilcox, Covenant Christian High School, class of 2007. Thank you so much for being on the Transforming Lives podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. The Transforming Lives podcast is a production of Covenant Christian High School in Indianapolis, Indiana. To discover more about minds enlightened, hearts inflamed, and lives transformed, visit our website at covenantchristian.org.